All right. Hi there. Thanks for joining me on Profit with a Plan podcast. This is where you can get some great ideas to create your most profitable small business. Just so you know, financial planning isn't only for those that have a lot of money or run big companies. A workable financial plan is for us everyday small business owners and professionals that want to make great financial decisions that lead to bigger profits. So join me, Marcia Reiner, your financial business strategist, fractional CFO, and certified financial planner each Tuesday for some smart ideas that can add more profits to your bottom line. I help ambitious business owners grow their profits fast using unique ways of growing their income and spending strategically that produce bigger profits without killing themselves or constantly chasing after more clients. If you know of anyone that may be curious, share this podcast and let's chat and see what we can do together to make greater profits in your business. So today I'm super excited to have my friend Bruce Braveroff with me. He is a fractional CFO, similar to me, and his company is Your CFO. So Bruce and I have been doing some amazing things together, and we think together. We're like two heads creating one. And today I thought we'd share something that is really important. It's 10 things that you must watch in your business money. And we're going to kind of rattle through them and give you our insights on them and just go from there. So, hey, Bruce, thanks for coming on. Thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Do you want to give us any a little more insight into you as to how you got on this uh, plan? Uh, I started out in banking and finance and a client asked me to come to work for him as helping and eventually became a CFO. I've been a CFO for about 20 years now on and off and I've worked for printing companies, for film restoration, for plastics and all kinds of companies. And it's just what I do and it's, I like the fractional because it gives me the ability to touch a lot of things. I'm more of a nuts and bolts person of getting in and fixing and creating the financial, solving the financial issues that a lot of growth companies have, and then turning around and raising the money. My specialty is really the backside of getting them ready and then raising the money. That's awesome. And I think that you've used the, the phrase several times that's really brought it to, to me and hit home with me that you are, and, and as I follow you, you are the first CFO a small business usually gets to, and then after they see you and they're growing to a certain level, they're going to eventually hire a full-time CFO. But you're their first experience with that CFO, and I really love that. I, most of the time, I really am the very first financial professional they brought into the business. And you're right. My job is to get them to where they need to be, and I'll deal with them for a long time. But ultimately, they should go on and hire a full-time CFO. And the question is, where's that line? For some company, it might be $5 million. For another company, it might be $25 million. I'm working with a company right now as a fractional, and they're already doing $25 million a year. And I'm in doing the exact same thing, cleaning up the exact same sort of issues that I do all of the time to raise them, to end up helping raise them money. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So, well, let's get on with today's conversation then. So we are talking about the 10 things that you must watch in your business. And I think the first one, and, and Bruce and I are really easy at going back and forth, but I think the first one that you really have to look at is your income sources. And, you know, the, the three categories or the two categories that are really most important is that is how many income sources do you have? Or are you a single solution, single driven business? 
I mean, you got to have more than one. Don't you agree, Bruce? Well, it's a product mix issue. You can be a specialist as a machine shop and have lots of different products. You can be a doctor and have lots of different products that you're dealing with. And to me, it's be a specialist in what you do, but make sure you have a product mix that gives you a little bit broader income and a little bit broader client mix. I think the other side of that that I've told my um, my listeners many times is that when you have one solution and only one solution that you offer, if the market makes a change on you and corrects and pulls out the rug from underneath you, you're essentially screwed. Um, if you have if if you're if you're doing things that are similar in in solution but different markets maybe or or different levels, if one goes down, you've still got the other to hold you up. And if you have three or four, you've got some flexibility on on how that comes if the market does take a correction on you. Well, and, I have and a it customer, will, right? Yeah. Well, I have a customer that's a sublimator, and sublimation is printing on fabric with color. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty, pretty cool product. But he's also gone into engraving on leather, oh. and he's gone into engraving on several other surfaces. So he's taken his product mix. And he's using his machinery for a new and unique way to do business. And he has developed some really nice products. And then he's also gone into promotion of helping people use his product to promote their business. So he's taken this one machine that he's invested a lot of money in and a lot of time, and he's turned it into three different market segments that any one of them can fold up and go away and he'll be just fine because the other two will keep him alive. And the one, the one I love is, who would have thought using a laser cloth cutter to engrave on leather? Great idea. And it's beautiful. Oh, I bet. I bet. So these are great ideas. And I encourage you as business owners to think about how many income sources do you have? And the flip side of that is, where are your clients coming from? So if you've got these multiple income sources, this is going to help you make your decisions on on how to improve and increase it if you know exactly where the clients are coming from. As we just talked about in that example with the um, with the business owner that's printing on cloth and now printing on leather, he may have two different directions in his marketing to go after those clients because they may be two different um, two different worlds. They may be hanging out in two different areas. Absolutely. Cool. So what else do you think, Bruce, that might come along um, with their income sources that they absolutely need to follow and understand? Well, I think understanding your clients. I think understanding your market. You know, it's today we have to think globally and react locally. Mm-hmm. And it's this, it. it's this thought of, I have to follow what's happening everywhere because at some point it's going to affect me. So if I'm a restaurant owner and I'm the Mexican restaurant here in town, there are five other Mexican restaurants around here. Those are my competitors. But I don't only have to watch them. I have to watch what the restaurant industry is doing. Restaurants right now are going in a big change from fine dining to fast casual. And it's a big shakeup in the restaurant industry. And they say that in another three to four years, 50% 50% of all restaurant sales will be takeout. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago, if you'd have said that, and it doesn't matter where you are. If you're in Riverside, California, or Sioux City, Iowa, 
those things are not going to change. They're going to, the whole market's going to go through it. And yes, you might go through it a little slower than LA or New York, but you're going to go through it. So watch what's going on around you globally. Love it. Love it. So let's talk, um, those are really great insights, but let's talk a little bit about income production. Um, I have a big value um, or an idea that I consult with my clients about um, making sure that you understand who your client is, but what that client, what those relationships are. And one of those things is, is understanding what your client's what that client is worth to you. And it could be over a cycle. It could be over a transaction, but you have to understand what that client's worth to you. Does that make sense to you, Bruce? Absolutely. It's, do you listen to your client? You know, every, I get beat to death. We all get beat to death with take our survey. Well, sometimes I'd rather hear the, the, the people that I'm buying from say, what else should I be doing for you? Mm-hmm. And it's getting to know your client and not being afraid to talk to them. And feedback is essential. Yeah, because they're they're the key component to what makes your life what it is. You know, your clients all go away, you got nothing left to do. So it's I think <laughs> listening to the client and yes, there's a dollar and cents component to this. You know, you should be able to say, I know years ago Costco used to say Everybody that walked through the door was $250. Yes. And, that, and I think that that's really important to understand with your client, too. So what is your client life cycle? Does your client use you one time and done? Does it, do they use you monthly? Do they use you, you know, twice a year? These are things that you need to understand about the client and what that is worth to you. So tell me more about the Costco thing, though. Well, Costco has a theory that, you know, they thought that, Every client, everybody that walks through the door does a $250 sale. It's probably a lot more today. And Costco has worked hard to find how to increase that value. They want you, I mean, I remember when it was Price Club and now it's mm-hmm. Costco. And I mean, stand there and watch what people buy sometimes. It's, it's know, insane. But did you know, this might take us down a rabbit hole, but did you know um, that Costco their margin on their products that they sell inside the club is ridiculously small and really truly where they make their money is on the membership fees. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane. You never think it is what it is, but I agree. People go in there. I don't think I'm, I jump up and down and, and, and yell, well, I got out of here for under a hundred bucks today. (laughs) Well, I have, I have a friend that says a quick trip trip to Costco to grab something is still a hundred dollars. Oh, easy, easy. Yeah. It, it, it's insane. So another thing that, that I think we need to look at in the income production side is what's the average cart value that your client spends with you? So not just what it's worth to you over a period of a year or life expectancy, your client, you're going to produce a certain amount of expectation of income from them for the next five years, but it's what is, what is the average spend that they spend with you each time? And I think that that's really important in your calculations to understand that. Don't you agree? Absolutely. And, and depending on what you're doing, there's easy ways to affect that. And then if you're, there are other way, other things you do, you just can't move it. You know, they come to you for this one product. It's what you do. And this is what they come to you to buy. It's like a gas station. We all go there to buy gas. Right. Any other products? Not really. 
Well, I don't know. I tend to go get my gum or a Slurpee or, you know, a bottle of water in there. I mean, so they do have extras in there, but I think understanding this, and this is why we're talking about this, these things today, that these are 10 super important things that you must monitor in your business and understanding what your client's worth to you and the average cart value that that client spends with you. This is essential because that's going to help you make the plans that you can going forward and make decisions going forward. And so I think it's just really important that you understand what these pieces are because you can't change something you don't know that you don't understand. Data. So then the third part that I think is really important on that income production is how many relationships does each client have with you? And I've had this story several times about um, the banking world. The banking world sees you as multiple sticky relationships. They get your checking account. They get your kid's savings account. They take your credit card, you know, or they get you a credit card. They want your mortgage and your, and your car payment. And all of these relationships make you super sticky with your, with your customers. If you can make multiple relationships in there, it's going to be so difficult to pick up and leave the relationship with the bank um, that you just say, ah, screw it. They're charging me. I just, it's too much of a hassle to, to go back and do something different. What do you think on these relationship well, ideas? Well, it's, it's funny when you're talking about it. I think the relationship you have with your clients is probably one of the most important relationships you have. Where I live, I'm asthmatic, and I spend a lot of time going to CVS to get meds. Mm. And there's a CVS that I've been going to for five years since I moved mm. in here. And they built a new one that's a lot closer you know, I'm still driving over to the further one because I've built the relationship with the people at that store and they continue to take care of me. I could get the same product for the same price a little bit closer. I'm still driving to the people that take care of me. They built that customer loyalty. In. And I mean, if I, they're there. And I don't want to go through all the work to do that somewhere else. To save, you know, save, my, save myself a mile and a half drive. Yeah, I'll make the mile makes and a half drive. Yeah. It makes sense. I think the relationship that you create with your client is essential. It's, it's the key to doing business. Um, as, as we, uh, I, I just flew on Southwest, and it's funny. They always um, put on the announcement when you, when you get on the plane, and it's like, we know you have choices on who you can fly with, and we appreciate you flying with us. And I just love that mentality. It's the same thing. you got to appreciate your clients and, and deepen when, that relationship. When we were a kid, one of the newscasters used to say, you have lots of choices. We appreciate you choosing us. Mm-hmm. And that, that little thank you to your customer is really important. Love it. Love it. So let's talk about the third category, which is income projections. And um, you're pretty good at this, Bruce. So talking about probabilities and running those numbers and, and running the calculations. Um, what's the, what's the, the first income projection that you think is really super important that you've got to be able to understand? Well, projections are a plan of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And you can't do a plan of where you want to go if you didn't know where you came from. Because it's a trajectory. If you're here, it goes this way. And if your trajectory is this way, it changes. And what I find is that gathering the historical and getting to understand where you've been, and the people that run the business say, oh, I know where I've been. Not really. Have you looked at your financials? Do you know what you're doing? And then where you're going. And 
I heard years ago, and I still believe it, that if you sit down and write down a plan and actually watch it, your probability of getting there is 5,000% better than if you don't. And I don't know if it's 5,000%. I don't know if it's 5%, but I can tell you it's a big difference. And the people that spend the time to plan, it helps you think things through. I am a business planner. I do business plans for everybody else. I sat down this year and wrote myself another business plan. You wrote yourself another business plan. I have targets. You have targets. I want to know where I'm going. If you don't have those targets, it's like, well, I'm just going to do what I did last year. Well, if you just did what you did last year, you lost something because inflation just moved away from you. That's that's so true. And and I love that you're preaching the idea of a plan because that's what both of us are all about. It is so important to know where you're going and where you started. I think the other thing is understanding um, the timeframes that you're going into and setting realistic expectations on those projections. But you need to still calculate where those where the income is coming from. So you go back to the first one as who are your clients and what are they buying? And then you go into the second one and you know their income and the or the the income you earn from them and the average cart value. You know, you can start to put those projections in play and say, all right, so I understand all of these things. Now I think if my client sees me on a regular period of time, then I'm going to expect that I'm going to earn this much from them, right? I mean, it just puts it in 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 a planning kind of strategy. Um, One of the other ones that I love to laugh at is if you make something that doesn't deteriorate um, or you sell something that doesn't deteriorate. I have a client who's bottling vodka. Okay. Yay. (laughs) And and the thing is, one of their bigger expenses is the glass. And getting the glass made in China. Well, looking at their projections, they were going to do an order of X. Well, we can do an order of X times two, and it doesn't cost times two. It costs about 30% more. Huh? So, and does the glass deteriorate? Do the labels go bad? It's printed on the glass. So order the little bit of extra because you know you're going to need it. And, and look it for the cost. Your cost. Yeah, look for the cost savings by projecting further out. Because really... The extra, the extra double that costs you thirty percent reduces your cost on all of them. So you've saved Love money it. across the whole board. Now it is an investment, but is it a good investment? If it, if you're going to take two years to sell it, it's probably not. If you're going to take six months to sell, it probably is. So you have to look well, at timing too. That that's perfect, and that's a perfect example because that's a way how you can improve your income projections by looking at the the potential of your sale by reducing costs, by, by looking at how you can save everywhere you go. So I love that idea. So what else about income projections do you think that we could um, chat about that they might want to understand uh, and, and really truly must monitor in their business? Look at the costs. If you're a service provider and you're currently spending 25 minutes with each client, and you're a $250 employee, and you've got somebody that's a $75 an hour employee who can take 10 minutes away from you, what have they just done for you? They freed you gave up. you opportunity to make more money. Right, and they freed you up to do more. And it's looking at what you're doing, and 
assigning it to the right people. Uh, I'm working on a project right now for a client, and I am doing the dumbest clerical work in the world. And nope. a pretty high dollar, I'm sure, too. And nobody else can do it because they don't have the time. They don't have this. They're paying me a real nice job to be a clerk. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. That's, that's, those are definitely places that you can improve in. But again, if you don't monitor this, how can you know how to improve it, right? Right. So let's go on to the fourth um, uh, thing that you must monitor. And we had this conversation earlier, and I just, it's, it's just crazy. A lot of businesses do this, but do they do it right? And we're talking about sales data. What are, in the, what are you doing with your sales data? You know, you've heard me say this, and I've, I'll say it again. If you're not drowning in data, you don't have enough. And, and with the modern systems, you have to choose what you're going to watch, hence the phrase KPIs. Now, 10 years ago, KPIs, what's that mean? Today, I have to pick which things I'm going to monitor, and then when something happens that doesn't make sense on my KPI, I'll go digging around and find it. There is so much data, and you have so much data available to you that you don't, do you use it all? And just, and, just, and just for the listeners out there that may, may, on a strange um, tone, not know what a KPI is, it's a key performance indicator. So these are things that you absolutely have to watch. And everybody, every business has it. And it might be, well, how much is in my checkbook, you know? Mm-hmm. It depends on your level and all of that. We watch it in our house. You've got kids, you watch how much milk they've gone through. You know, it's... These are what we do. And the systems, and this, we're talking on computers and the phones and everything. We've got data at our fingertips that we never had before. And five years from now, this will look like we didn't have anything. And True. so learn how to harvest it. Learn how to use it. It makes you a stronger business owner. I agree. And I think you, you can, um, I'm working with a company right now that we're talking about mining their data. And um, they have a lot of uh, um, uh, vital health information, and uh, we're trying to figure out what is valuable for their decision making. They have to have so much data in play for uh, their business and for their reporting and hitting, you know, providing it for insurance. And then they've got um, the information that is the the patient information. But then when I sit down with the CEO and I'm saying, well, what data do you think you need to make good decisions? And we're trying to you know, pull through the forest to find the trees that are important for them to make decisions. And so that's been a challenge for us. But I think, like you said, if you're not drowning in the data, then you don't have enough. And I oh. think data is so important and, and specifically sales data. Well, the thing is doing thing, it. Yeah. The thing that gets me is people collect all of this data on all of their customers and never use it to reach back out to their customers. Right. You go, you know, you throw your business card in something and nobody harvests that and now sends you an ad. It's, there's just yeah. so much information. Your credit card companies now will help you take all of the information of everybody that bought something with you and harvest it and use it. Mm-hmm. Why don't, why not do that? Oh, well, it costs too much. So no, but do you know how much it costs to acquire a client? And, and oh, that's yeah. something of value to understand. So if it costs you $10, 
to acquire a client, then you better be, you know, using that $10 and earning that money in. That's just a, 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 an example. But I mean, in internet marketing, you're always looking at what is the cost of my advertising to produce a, a single paying client. And, and you've got to make that an essential information, a KPI that you've got to follow. And if somebody's bought from you before and you don't sell to them again, you've lost money on that. It's, you're it's shooting money, yourself in the foot. It's money that's laying on the floor that you're not bending over and picking up. I gotcha. I gotcha. It's, it's all important. And, and as a business owner, you really, truly must monitor this information. So let's move a little along here to spending. So I've got number five as operational spending. And I like to say that, you know, you've got, you've got ways to increase your income and you've got ways to spend strategically. And if, if your income goes up and your spending goes up nicely along with that, that in that spending produces an ROI, you're going to increase your profits. It's a little crazy. Income up, spending down is normally what you think. But I think that spending properly can really affect your business. And I think it's really important in the operational side. What is it absolutely necessary for you to function with? And I think you have to know those numbers. I mean, is, is that not correct? In, in every business, you got to know what it costs to function? Well, but spending, and this will circle back a little bit. Um, I have someone in my circle who sells machine tools. And for 30 years, the best way to do that is not knock on doors. Mm -hmm. They're finally moving over to using a good CRM. They're finally doing this. And they're all of a sudden finding they're selling more, but they've spent more time on and money building these systems. It amplifies who you are. You have to spend money to do this. And it yeah. has, there's, a, there's a fine balance to it. You don't want to spend too much, but you're really, what's worse than spending too much is not spending enough. And I agree. I agree. And then I think when you're spending too, you're spending on things that are, are equipment, you're spending on people, you're spending on, on systems and processes and efficiencies. Uh, I think that it's just, it's really important that you must put money into your business to make it grow, but it has to be very strategic and very operational. You have to understand what is that function going to do for you? Is it going to make everything better? And if it is, if it's going to make it run smoother, then, then it's a great spend, right? There, there's, I have a client that has, they do a lot of different processes, but one of their key processes, they have one employee that knows how to do it. And it's a center, it's a center thing to everything they do. And they've got a Rube Goldberg of a machine they've built to do it with. And they're now looking at how do we automate it and how do we do that? Well, the guy that's the guy that's the one guy that knows how to do it, he's ready to retire. Mm. And they're all, and they the, better automate quickly. Right. Well, but here, here's the better part when they're done right now, this center, this part of their business runs one shift a day. They're a 24 hours, seven day a week, 365 day a year shop. So by fixing and automating this one part, they're going to fill up and build out more through their entire system. And they had not realized it, that it was so central to themselves that it was their choke point. Hmm. 
and they had the processes choked because of this one thing. Well, they've been doing it and it saved them money. My favorite thing that I get upset with, and you've heard me say this, is please do not ever say to me, well, that's the way we've always done it. Right. <laughs> if, if, if the world stuck with that's the way we always have done it, then we never would be where we are today. We'd probably still be rolling rocks up hills, right? Well, no wheels, that's for sure. No wheels. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the right people in the right role. And, and so here, I want to give a little bit of um, uh, uh, conversation to this as well, is that we've spent 25 minutes already talking about only the first five. So I got to tell you, I think what we're going to do here is we're going to end on this section here and pick up next week with six, seven, eight, nine, and 10, because this is so valuable. I think that you're going to just want to listen again next week for the other five things that you must monitor in your business. So Bruce, let's go on with the right people in the right role. Well, we just talked about the guy who can run the machine. He's the right person in the wrong role, right? Uh, you know. What about what about hiring people? Um, you know, we we joke about this often, and it's not to put anybody down. So don't think about this. But hiring um, friends and family in key roles in your business because you know you want to take care of your friends and family, and maybe they were sitting down when you were strategizing the idea, but they're probably not the best person for that particular role, but you have this relationship with them, right? Well, but if you hire friends and family, it's a completely different dynamic than if you hire a stranger. Mm -hmm. And the dynamic of, well, now I have to fire my friend. Now my or, mom. or mom. Or mom. Or mom, yes, we've been there. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, I, you know, yes, I've hired friends and family. Would I do it again? Probably under some circumstances, but not really, because it's just, this is a business. I want people that I can tell what to do, and I'm not going to get any nonsense back about it. And the fact is, is that in a business world, that's professional, and friends and family are not. And if you, you know, I, I just, I'm against it at this point, and I deal with it a lot. And I've got one client that we've talked about who has somebody in a key position and that business is going to fail if they don't change it and they're afraid to change anything. So it just makes it really difficult to control a business. And I, I agree. I agree. And, and it's so much, it's so much of a problem that, that the business owner starts regretting the, you know, the, the, the employee starts regretting because they tend to feel it. And nobody wants to have trouble uh, at Thanksgiving dinner because you had to fire your cousin or, or whatever the, the situation was. Well, you've heard me talk about the guy who said, I know my accounting's my problem. I really want to get it fixed, but mom's my accountant. Right. And he goes, I have to fire mom. I said, no, you don't. But he goes, well, what do I do? I said, let me worry about it. And I took mom out to lunch. I said, do you like what you're doing? And mom goes, no, I hate it. I'm only doing it because it helps my son. And, you know, it's like this, well, then why don't you stand up and say so? Well, it helps my son. So the two people both wanted to change things. 
but they couldn't bring themselves together to talk about it. And then because along the family comes, dynamics. And then along comes Bruce and it's like, eh, eh, everybody's happy. You know? <laughs> I just, like Bruce the fixer, right? Yeah, it's, well, but I just think it's just, you, you create a dynamic that doesn't work well when you hire family and friends. I, I agree. And so the final part of this, um, of this section of operational spending, and we're on number five right now. Um, the, the other part on it, I'm a real big fan of. I think everything in business can be negotiated. You can negotiate your lease. You can negotiate terms on contracts. You can negotiate um, uh, the pricing on it. You can negotiate so many things on it. I think you, as business owners, you've got to be able to understand that what's the real need that you're solving and how can you make it work in your favor? Do you agree, Bruce? Well, absolutely. And everything's negotiable, but the other side of it is bring in the person that knows how to negotiate against it. Uh, sure. I've got a uh, client who they're going into a new building, hadn't told me, and they're in the middle of negotiating a lease. I said, stop, let me bring in commercial realtor. Commercial realtor comes in and he goes, well, I can't afford him. Well, the landlord pays for the commercial realtor, so it's free. Uh, he was going into this thinking he had to pay about $40,000 worth of build-out. He got a $50,000 build-out allowance because the commercial real estate guy came in. I, you, we nego- we're experts on negotiating financial structures and things like that. Don't be afraid to bring in the expert on it. I mean, I don't know anything about negotiating lighting and electricity, but I've got a friend that does. That's I've right. got a client that, you know, and, or gee whiz, who's, who hasn't negotiated with the IRS? You know, if you haven't and bring in an attorney, cause you're not good at it. So yeah. everything's negotiable, but make sure you've got the right person doing the negotiation because we've all seen people agree to things that they thought was great in their negotiation. And you're going like, really? Right. And then, and then the flip side of that, you never know what you could have got if you, if you had the right person in the right role doing the right thing for you. So it's, it's super important to, uh, and, and we've, we've talked about this, uh, at least a hundred times. We're experts on the financial side. You're experts on the, you're an expert on the nuts and bolts. I'm an expert on the big strategy picture, looking at the, at the functionality that's going on. And I think that, that, you know, understand where, where your lane is and stay in it. You've got to understand enough of the big pictures on here, but stay in your lane and don't try and do and, things that you're not, you're not um, designed for. And, and the thing is, is that you've heard me use this line. The people that don't stay in their lane and say they can do everything, to me, is like the one-size-all robe. It's going to fit me and Shaq, the same robe. Just <laughs> so think about think about the you know the one size fits all approach never is quite the right approach it fits about 50 percent right but you need to need to use it a lot differently agreed agreed so this is really great information i mean so far we've covered so much on these 10 things that you must watch in your business money your income sources your production sources or, pro- or income production your income projections, you've got to be able to know your numbers so you know where you're going to be and what you need to do to change it. You've got to understand your sales data, which is so important. Those KPIs will help you 
fine tune what you're doing and get better at it. And then your operational spending, you've got to know what it is that's necessary, keeping people on track and negotiate on everything. This is wonderful stuff, Bruce. I just, I can't wait to keep continuing on this. So thanks for listening today. I hope you found an idea or two to put into your business that will make you have more control over your money and more profitable. If you'd like to know specifically how to increase your own profits in your business, let's chat. My contact information is in the podcast below as well as Bruce's. I'm super excited to announce my big book, my new book, Big Profit Secrets Exposed. It's on Amazon and I'm on a speaking tour through 2020. So if you know anybody who um, might have an opportunity for me to speak at their group, I'd love to hear from you. All the contact information will be at the, at the bottom or in the uh, information post podcast. So speaking of, you want podcast notes? Send me a quick email and we'll send them off to you. So I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, or ideas for future show. You can always comment or ask some questions on today's podcast and we'll let you know uh, what the answers are. So you can always reach me at marcia at bellafinancialgroup.com. You can catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players and looking forward to more profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with it. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. Have a great one.